Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, virtual couch favorite, fan favorite, one of my favorites, Julie Lee, is back. Julie is not only the host of the popular podcast, I See You, but she is here to talk about a book of the same name. Julie is promoting her book, I See You, and we talk about the surprising series of events that led to the writing of that book, what that was like writing it through the uncertainty of quarantine and worldwide pandemic, and we go deep on why interacting with and truly seeing people around you is so important, not only for our own mental health, the mental health of the individuals, but we're talking mental health of the world. And we, we also touch uh, talk about a touching moment during her first appearance on the virtual couch where we circled around how important it is for people to feel seen, feel understood, feel heard before getting to that point where they begin to feel helpless or hopeless. So we cover that so much more. She has a surprise guest that comes in very early on the podcast. This is one of those I highly recommend you listen to and go find this on YouTube as well. And uh, that and so much more coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch. episode 218 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online report. Uh, the show must go on, an online recovery, pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anyone that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based hold the shame, become the person you always wanted to be way, then head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you will find a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to put pornography behind them once and for all. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, why must the show go on? Because I'm recording this right before my good friend Julie Lee comes on to talk about her new book. And so I promised myself I'm recording this uh, video and audio and that I would just, I would plow through. So hopefully that did not sound unprofessional in the recording, in the intro, in the opening. But uh, also, my website has been updated. It happened over the weekend. I've been waiting on this for so long. Please head over to TonyOverbay.com, and uh, there you will find my free parenting course. You will find a way to sign up for a newsletter. You'll be the first person to find out about just a wonderful program, and a magnetic marriage program, how to communicate better with your spouse that is coming in the not-too-distant future. We're putting up putting the final touches on that. And I couldn't be more excited about that. Really, there's been so much effort that has gone on to this and uh, it is going to help you communicate better with your spouse. But so much more on that coming up. And you can also find me on uh, Instagram at Virtual Couch and on Facebook, Tony Overbay, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. But uh, today, actually updating my website, there's a little bit of a ironic thing. I'm talking to Julie Lee about her brand new book that is been available for pre-order. I've already pre-ordered mine. She even has this really cool place, uh, Cedar Fort, her publisher. I'll have to include a link where I ordered it and it came with a pretty neat ICU bracelet. So uh, I never had any merchandise like that with my book. But where I was going with that is my website, it was just updated and I never even had anything on there about how to buy my book, which is horrible because it was a, it's, it's been a number one bestseller in the sexual health and recovery category on Amazon since its release, which was the end of 2019. So that is how bad I needed to up, update my website. So it is it is updated. And I'm sure Julie Lee is coming right out of the gate. Probably her, her website has all kinds of stuff about her book on there. But uh, I am really excited to have her on here. She is um, the host of a very real, very raw podcast called I See You. 
And uh, that, that podcast, no doubt, led to her book deal. I'm sure we're going to get into that, talk about that today. And if you are already familiar with Julie, you'll know why this is going to be a, a great interview. She has an incredible way of helping people feel seen, understood, getting the best out of her interviews, and also knowing the right balance on how much she shares with her guests, how much she gets out of her guests. And I, I jotted down a few things here. Julie first came on my show April 11th of 2019. And in her episode, she spoke beautifully about her journey through some pretty rough patches with anxiety and depression. And those are things that she had never struggled with earlier in her life. So that was uh, that was very touching, very raw. And there's actually a part of that interview that made it into her book. So I won't talk about that now, but it was a, it was a moment. It was a very real moment that uh, I will never forget. And I was, I was honored to see that it made it into her book. And then I was on her show on April 26th of 2019. And I remember that one well, because my daughter was getting married that day. And I remember listening to it. I don't like listening to myself on interviews, but she, we talked about the, the name of that episode was um, when your marriage is hurting. And we got to talk a lot about emotionally focused therapy, the couples therapy model that I love. And again, this is back in April, 2019. So I was just happy to be able to talk about marriage and talk about communication. And ironically, it was released on the day that my daughter was getting married to her wonderful son, my wonderful son-in-law, Mitch. So that was, uh, that was kind of fun to be able to hear that that morning of uh, the run or the, the wedding. I was out on a run listening to that. So I will not take any more time. Let's get to my interview with Julie Lee talking about her book, I See You, A Rallying Cry to Save Us All. So uh, let's get on to the interview with Julie Lee. Hey, thanks for getting up super early. That was really nice. You're so welcome. You're but so you told welcome. me you've already worked out this morning. I did. It's true. I mean, it wasn't a huge workout, but I did some. I, I lift a few weights. Yeah. yeah a few of them? All yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you look very strong. Thank you. From my face. It's the cheekbones. <laughs> it's the earlobes, right? right? But that's a, that's a, that's the, hey, everybody go watch this on YouTube because we're going to, I'm going to put this up there. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, go find it on YouTube. So I'm so we're talking about your book. I'm so excited. I'm honored. Thank you. Do you want to see it? Yeah, I do actually. This is really cool. Let's see it. Whoa. Okay, that looks really cool. Let's see the back. They do a good job. They did an amazing job. And the back, look at that. Okay. That you has a front, a back, the whole thing. Well it done. Has, it, has, it has a side. <laughs> it, does. it opens. Okay. And there's but, there's pages. It it can learn tricks, you know. <laughs> I've always wanted to learn to spin a book. I watched a guy do that on a YouTube video one time, but I haven't learned how to do it very well. And neither has Julie. But that's been a basketball real good. So maybe I'll see if you can spin it. Okay, there you go. Right. I think that would be a really fun marketing thing. It would. would. Welcome back to the virtual couch. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I I couldn't wait. And so um, I I just want to jump right in. I want to just like, are you okay with that? Yeah. You know, yes, you know. Okay, I do. I do know this. So, I mean, were you, was your life's ambition to write a book or or no? Or just tell me, tell me stories about how this book came about. 
So like when I was a little kid, I always was like, I'm going to be a children's book author. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of when I was that age, but definitely not this book. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I outline this sometimes on my own podcast and, you know, I refer to it a little bit in the book, but growing up, I grew up with mental illness in my home. My dad mm-hmm. had a mental illness and uh, I, when I left, I loved my parents dearly, but I was also super afraid because I saw a lot of the kind of the collateral damage that did to our family. And so when I left my house, I just like, didn't, I don't even want to hear the word depression. I don't want to yeah. hear panic attack, any of those things that hit too close to home. I took a psychology class in high school and I remember hearing some kids, you know, make some jokes about, oh, I'm bipolar or things like that. And just as a 17 year old kid, I was just like, don't ever say that. Like mm-hmm. you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so I was obviously really sensitive to it. And so for me to end up writing a book where I detail, where it's not all about that, but I do refer to some of my experiences with that uh, is, is pretty shocking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy how it came to be. I never intended to write a book. I, you know, I've had a couple people like mention the idea to me just in passing that have written their own books. They're like, well, you should write a book. And I'm like, well, easy for you to say, I don't really want to. Right. Uh, But then, you know, I woke up one morning, I couldn't sleep and I woke up and I wrote an introduction to this book. And I, you know, I just put the title, I see, you you know, same as my podcast. That's easy. I would say, how long ago was that? Was that after you had a few episodes under your belt or was it something that had happened long ago? Oh, this was in January of this year. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and then I just set it aside and some interesting things happen. Um, I, a couple, like two weeks later, the president of my public, the CEO of the publishing company that published my book added me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He didn't message me or he just added me. And I was like, well, that's kind of bizarre. Yeah. And I just told my husband and we were headed on a trip somewhere and he's like, just message him, just do it. And at the time I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could get my, I have a self-published illustrated book, which we talked about in our That's first what book. I thought. Yeah. When you're saying you've never been an author, I'm wait, wait a minute. I think Julie has. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that, but that once again, that was like not meant to be. And I don't mean that that's so annoying for people that have tried to get published before. And I totally recognize that. And thank you for snorting. I've been trying to find a way that I can snort in this episode too. I think okay. sort of like to snort, but it's gotta be natural. It's gotta be. Uh, anyways. And so I was like, well, maybe I can talk to him about that. Like going through a publisher with it and not just having it be self-published. So I took that and then it's like, oh, sorry. So, so I message him and I'm like, Hey, can I pick your brain about this? Just, it felt like, I mean, it's like frozen, right? It was the next right thing. Like there you go. it just felt right. And Rob told me to do it. So I did it. Yeah. Uh, and so he messaged me back and he's like, Hey, yeah, let's meet in my office on Wednesday. And I'm like, oh. all right. So I was like, I didn't think you'd say yes. Anyways. So then I took that. And then right before I went, I was like, I'm just going to print off that intro and take it. And I like shoved it in my purse. Like, I'm not even going to bring it out probably, but who knows? And so then, the, okay, so you were going over there to talk about broccoli, then, right? That was your your yeah. children's book was broccoli broccoli punzel. Yeah, well, that was the easiest. It's already written, right? right. I was like, okay, Let's see what they say, right? Okay. Like, what do I have to lose? And then we got there, and then I got there, and there was an auxiliary the auxiliary manager. I hope that's what she's called. I'm so sorry if it's not. She was there, and she was like taking notes during the movie meeting, and I was like. I am so glad I didn't know how intense this was going to be or else I would have been terrified. Mm. To come. I'm, I don't get very nervous. I'm pretty uh, like on the fly, yeah. but they were very, you know, like, why would you want to publish with us? You know, what is this like and stuff? And I, they were not pulling any punches. And then I did end up showing them my intro. I was like, 
well, why not? This is already scary. So here's my intro. What do you think? And they said, you know, is it written? And I'm like, nope, not written. And they're like, well, do you have a table of contents? Nope. And they're like, all right, well, I don't even want to look at this. You send me a table of contents today and then I'll look at it. Wow. And so I did. And, and they said, you know, if we're interested after that, we'll have you write one chapter from the table of contents and then we'll read that and then see if we want you to write the book or not. So I sent them the table of contents later that, you know, I like scrambled together with my sister-in-law in her kitchen as our, you know, kids are running everywhere like, blah. And I, I sent them the table of contents and, um, two weeks later, they, they didn't even have me write a chapter. They just sent me a contract and said, can you write it by June 1st? From the and table I, of contents. Yeah. From the table of contents. Wow. So I just sent them, which is different than what it ended up being. Right. Okay. Like totally ended up being different, but they were okay with that. Uh, but yeah, they said, can you write it by June 1st? And of course, this is before we knew COVID was going to happen. This was beginning of February. And I mean, in the meantime, in this, I had a niece pass away and we were out at her funeral. And it was just, it was not like the ideal, perfect time you think of to process all this. But once again, it was just always the next right thing. So I said, "Uh, yes, of course I can write it by June 1st. Absolutely. And then, you know, I, I, I did it. And it was totally insane. I was like, like, three and a half months. It'll be totally crazy. You know, we'll have frozen pizza every night. It'll be good. Yeah. And and then COVID happened and which was awesome and hard because I have a five and a Mm three-year-old who want me all the time. And there was nowhere for them to go play or be babysat by or because quarantine happened. And so it was, it was a wild experience writing a book you know, and, and my husband had to take over my office because he works from home now. And so I didn't have my space. And so it was like writing it, you know, at the kitchen island while I'm like throwing food at kids and, you know, trying to help them with their books. And so it was wild, but I just, yeah. I prayed a lot, you know, like just laid on the floor begging for help and for better, or for worse, it's here, you know, it's, better. Like, it's yeah. for better. I mean, it's a wonderful book, but I would love the concept of, uh, and yeah, okay, I guess we'll give frozen credit for that next right thing. But I, I'm a big fan of um, people that will go so far ahead in their minds that they won't even start, you know, well, if they say yes, then I'm going to have to write it. I don't have time. I don't know how to do it. And you can watch the brain just come up with all these stories of why, you know, I'm, so I might as well not start, you know? So I love that you, cause you could have always said, I need more time or, or this. And a lot of people told me that a lot of people told me, you need, to be, you need to be telling them to push back the deadline. Like this is insane. It's not fair to you. And I just felt like, you know, they're taking the chance on me too. And why, why can't I do it? You know? And yeah, yeah. That's and, and I had a therapist once tell me, she's like, you're, a, you know, I, this is years ago when I was in a much different place. She would just always tell me, she'd listen to me and she'd be like, you're a really good storyteller. You're a okay. great storyteller. And it's well, like what you said, all yeah. the stories. Okay. I mean, so were you telling yourself that in your head when you would get down that, Hey, I'm a good storyteller. Right. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I tell myself that now I'm like, Oh, I'm being a really good storyteller. Right. Like, that's a really interesting story you just came up with, Julie, but it's not reality. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, I feel like there's the, there's the concept of a, of a mantra that I, mean, you know, I can appreciate when people are saying, you know, they wake up every morning and, hey, you can do it. But then sometimes that can, there's a little bit of data that can show that that will actually at times make people feel worse if all of a sudden they're like, but you didn't do it. You know? But I really like the ones where it's the, hey, you, you're a good storyteller, you know, or you're a nice person, or you're a fun, you know, you're a fun this, or you're a, so I really like that. I mean, I think that those can really help push people along. So that's, that's really nice to hear that, that that's yeah. part of this book. 
Um, all right, let me, uh, let me, I want, there's a couple of things that I just took some notes on. One of those is in the intro, um, you, you talk right out of the gate. You just say, all right, my purpose in writing this book is to bring stark clarity how, on how badly we as a collective society need to engage with, with each other in a real authentic way if we're to combat the onslaught of isolation, loneliness, and even suicide. And you said we need to look each other in the eyes when we speak, touch each other on the shoulder when we greet. I love that. And at worst, uh, loneliness is a life or death situation. At best, it creates an unsatisfactory life. Uh, I'm confident that human compassion and connection is the antidote to our disconnected culture. Julie Lee, tell me more. I think you just summed up so much about, you know, uh, I, I had a, a nephew and I over the weekend that were somewhere and we were walking by this couple and they were both just sitting there together and they were just on their phones. And I'm sure that they were um, thinking they were having a wonderful evening. But I just said to him, man, imagine if phones had never been invented, they would be talking right now. And I just find that so fascinating. So tell me about that intro. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I go on to talk about how, you know, it's not just kids and that example is perfect, but it's not just kids that grew up with, you know, getting a phone when they were super little that are struggling. It's adults like me. And I would assume you even times have to work against that where we didn't grow up with phones and yet we are struggling with that same just disconnect and addiction to just numbing and instant gratification. And I really think it's harming our ability to connect with people in real life. Yeah, it is. And then I know someone on the phone now is so just like uncomfortable. We're just squirming out of our skins, you know? Yeah. And I think that that is uh, I still even say that now that it's a, it's, I make the joke all the time that I think that I didn't realize the phone does that still, that it it does make a call. And so, and I think that's kind of funny, but if I think, man, how often do I really use the phone to do that? Right. And I think that, and I think that just for me and my experiences in my life, that real just connect in person was life saving. Just having someone look me in the face and like, see me, you know, in my, sweats and top knot and sweating and crying and panic attack just having someone look at me and just be like you're gonna get out of this we're gonna get you out of this Mm. was life-changing and saving and I know that like a a text message is great and it's not that there's no power there yeah it's different it's not the same it's not so so are you oh go ahead Oh, I was going to say that the, the name of your podcast, the name of your book, I see you, I know you talk about it a little bit in there, but maybe uh, for the sake of the, maybe those who haven't heard of you, you which uh, they should have, you've been on the podcast before and there was a very touching moment in the one the episode you were on in mind. Don't make me cry again, Tony. I know, right? That was, but it's in your book and we're going to talk about it. And I'm so excited about that. But so talk about this, the I see you in general. Tell me more about that. Where's that come from? So... I have a prop here. Look how prepared I was at 6.30 a.m. This is a bracelet that I was given that is caught, that says, I see you on it. So during my journey, I my therapist in a totally HIPAA-approved way connected me with another patient that she said, I just think you two would really hit it off and really connect on, on some of the things you've experienced, you know, have some similar things in your background. And I met this girl, her name is Brittany Coyado. And we met at a park. I, you know, I creepily like stalked her blog and then emailed her. And she was kind of cold in her first email back, not cold, but just very, um, not stern, stoic. That's what I'm looking for. And, and she, I turned out to find out she thought I was like going to sell her some herbal supplement or something. Right. And so she was like, "Mm, I don't know about this Julie Lee anyways, but so we met at a park with our kids And we just immediately, it was like soul to soul. We understood each other. 
And I think it was about a year later on my birthday, she gave me this bracelet and it says, I see you. And she had been to an Idina Menzel concert and Idina Menzel has a song called I see you. And the lyrics are beautiful, but it's just the, the message between us of, of, I see you, I get you. And I get, I'm going to get choked up again, but like, I, I witness your life and I know how hard you work and that you're, that, uh, that you are constantly trying to overcome and that just, just, I know you individually and I, I see you and I, and she can just text me that mm. and just be like, you know, I can just say something about, you know, and she can just be like, girl, I see you. And I just know it's like, I get you. I'm looking you in the face. I'm not like, you are worth my time. You're worth my energy. I am present with you. And, and, you know, if you're a spiritual person, whether it's a higher power or whatnot, also just the idea that like someone up there is seeing me, like I see you right now when you're, you know, when you're in that, you're listening to that speaker or whatever, and it's not clicking with you. And maybe like you're having some shame demons. Like, I see you, I see you right now. Like, I got you. You're not alone. Uh, And that for me was, even though I was, I was already on doing great and just recovering from a lot of hard things that's a really great reminder for me. And, and, and then it goes further, you know, kind of like in the 12 step addiction program where the, um, the popular one, oh, I shouldn't even say that. Cause you have your own. Oh, no, no, you're good. This is great. Yeah. yeah I've, I've facilitated many of those. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. 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 And so in the 12 steps, the last step I believe is, you know, you then go to help others. Right. Yeah. And so that bracelet is a reminder to me of, I see you of like, I need to be doing that for other people that when they're talking to me, I'm looking at them in the face. Yeah. I'm aging, I'm being present with them. And even if it makes them uncomfortable, yeah. I'm used to people wanting to talk to them at the grocery store, because we don't talk anymore at the grocery store. That's so awkward. Oh, um, but just that I, I, I'm going to do that for humankind because that's, that's, it's changed. Everything. And it's a much more fulfilling life. It's so much better. It really is. I have to tell you, my, my kids will at times kind of even say, you know, dad, can we just get through the drive through without you asking them about their day or what's their biggest sale or, you know, and, and, but I think it, what's their biggest sale at like Taco Bell, you ask oh, them? Yeah. It's crazy. Like how much people do. Yeah. Yeah. We were dropping my daughter off back at, uh, at uh, Rexburg just a weekend or two ago. And uh, the Walmart person, we're going big, you know, with stuff that we're going to take back to her her dorm and I just, I get chatting and then it's like, right. What's your biggest sale? How many carts? What have you had to do? What's it? And it's, it's so fun. You know, it really is. I see them. I have to tell you, I've uh, boy, your, after your episode, um, then I had the, you know, the confirmation bias. All of a sudden I'm hearing or seeing the phrase, I see you everywhere. And I listen to some kind of junkie novel. I always like to listen to one smart thing and one just fun thing while I run in the mornings. Right. And there was one where they get to toward the end and then it's somebody saying, we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. I'm like, that's Julie. Right. And then, and then this is the best one. We're down at a basketball tournament last year, uh, down in LA. And, uh, there's this uh, wonderful coach and he yells out to my son who's playing some really good defense. Nobody likes to praise defense, especially in this summer basketball, this travel traveling. And he says, I see you, Jake. I see you doing work. And I thought my wife and I say that all the time now, you know, I see you doing work. And I just thought, oh, it's, you know, it's once you're aware of it, it's so neat to, to see that or hear that. And I like what you're saying. Pass it along. Be that person, right? Mm-hmm. You're making right. me curious just about basketball. I know, right? Uh, it's I so- love to play basketball, though. It's got a, it's got a little, it's got a soft place in my heart. That's really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be. That's the thing. And the book isn't just for people that are like, 
you know, at their very, you know, what's the word for that? Like hanging off the cliff, like right. they're, you know, the last, this is, that's why I talk about like, at best, it's an unsatisfactory life to not see each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like you won't survive this life, but I think it's, I think it's a pretty sad one. You know, yeah. I think you're yeah. deserving of more than that as a human being. Yeah, no, it gives a nice little chemical bump even when we do make eye contact. I mean, there's a little bit of a dopamine rush, you know? And I like when you said, Why didn't you tell me that so I could put that in the book? I would have said that. would have been good, right? (laughs) Uh, But here's where I said earlier um, when we were warming up that you. I just walked in. Oh, that's nice. Tell them hi. Can I say hi real quick because you're already here? (laughs) Okay, and yet another reason. Go on YouTube. Hey, buddy. How are you? (laughs) He just really rolled out of bed. (laughs) Can I call snuggle with dad? This is Sam. Okay, can you go snuggle with dad? Oh, so I'm actually doing an interview for my book. Remember the cool book mom wrote? Yeah, yeah can you I go wrote a really dad? cool book. I think so. No? Okay, <laughs> this is about to get awkward. Can you see? Does he just stay here? I don't know. What do we do with this? What have you done? Has this ever happened before? No, not yet, but I mean, this is fun, right? Okay. Can you shut the door? Do you want to just sit on my lap? Okay, why don't you just go shut the door? I love the vulnerability. <laughs> I was like, what do you do? I don't know. Yeah. We're doing it, right? This is this is part of now in the world of acceptance and commitment therapy. This is, this I wrote the book sometimes with my kids on the lap. So there you go. This is part of our private experience. This is happening right now. Because he's so tired. He's probably gonna be real quiet. So exactly. And again, boy, I, if there's ever been a, a time to promote my YouTube channel, it will be now. You can see the bracelet, you can see my beard of all things, you can see your son <laughs> sitting in your lap, all kinds of things, right? This is it. Yep, this is yeah. it. Um, so I was, and before we started a little bit of a warm up, I had referred to you as a wizard and it's because you had said something that you said was pre pandemic, but you said, Hey, many of us a little, a little lost right now. We're somewhat disconnected from reality. We're not sure what's real, what to believe. Um, yeah. Do you remember what, what's, uh, what was that about when you were writing that, that part of the book? I just believe that so much. And yeah, it's interesting. I like all of this came to be before COVID. Mm-hmm. So it was a humbling experience to write this book during COVID. Cause I'm like, Holy crap. Like it's, it's like what you said. You're like, well, that's the understatement of all time or whatever. It's so true. It's so true. Just with COVID now. I mean, I don't want to be, I mean, I do want to be self-promoting. Like I do want my book to do well or whatever for people to like, think it's awesome, obviously. But, but honestly, I just feel like this message is more important than ever now with COVID um, that, we're just scrambling to make meaning of our life right now. And I think a lot of that is because we're not, we're even more isolated from each other than ever. And some of that is, I'm not saying some of that isn't necessary, but it's, it's, I think it's doing a trick to our brains of just, what I like, what do I do in this world now? I know it's been tough for me, yeah. you know, and I feel like I'm a pretty mentally aware person of my needs and checking in with myself to, you know, taking care of myself, doing what I I have my minimums every day. And it's been a trip. It's been a trip to not be able to be with people. And, you know, I think it's even more than that. I think there's just a lot of angst in the world right now. Yeah. Um, People are really worried of offending each other. People don't know how to, I mean, people that I love and, and know pretty well, I I'm afraid that certain topics might come up and I'm afraid, I don't know like what to say or what that means or how they'll take it. Or, you know, what if, what if I'm wearing a mask or what if I forget my mask or what are they thinking of that? And I think so many people are feeling like that where they're just like, 
more than ever, they're like, I don't know how to communicate with people right now because I'm like terrified to say the wrong thing. Totally. Um, I, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to record a little bit of this right now of what we're talking about. And I love the fact that, uh, your son is on your lap, but I'm, I th- I'll probably throw this up on a nice Instagram story because I really like this part that we're talking about. I find that even in my office, yeah, the more that, uh, the world is kind of continuing with, uh, who knows what is next. Um, or yeah, our brains aren't really designed to have such uncertainty. And so we are kind of trying to find anything that we can, can get a hold of that makes sense. So I'm seeing that on a daily basis. So I appreciate what you're saying with that. It's, it's, that's, that makes it really difficult. Um, hey, can we talk about, uh, I want to talk about the part where you, here's talk about self-promoting, the part where you, uh, you mentioned <laughs> our interview in your book. Yes. Um, yeah, right. So we'll, we'll try not to make you cry again. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, tell me about that. I mean, I can read some of this, which I think was so, you said, uh, I've been interviewed many times about my experiences of overcoming anxiety and depression. And you said, I remember a specific interview, uh, Tony Overbay, licensed marriage and family therapist, was interviewing me for his podcast, The Virtual Couch. Um, what do you remember about that interview? I remember, I remember it really well. Uh, I just remember that you started talking about the feeling for you as a therapist when you're sitting across from someone and they, they don't want to be here anymore. They just don't want to live anymore. And they're really kind of contemplating that. Yeah. And you know, I've been there before and um, I've been in that dark hole and I remember that loneliness well, but just, you said the phrase something like, it's like everything's off the table. Yes. All hands on deck, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. I just felt so emotional because, you know, and in, in pre-therapy and pre, pre kind of dealing with, you know, I've never been given an official diagnosis, but like, PTSD like symptoms, I guess yeah. we'll just say there were, I, there were so many things I didn't want for my life, mental, mental illness being one of them. And that's still hard. That's hard for me to even say, like, I've never said I have a mental illness just because, uh, because I have past experience with that term and what that means to me and what my brain tells me about yeah. that. And I'm working through that. But at the end of the day, in my most isolated moments, uh, and between me and God and things, I feel like I have learned that more than anything, we are worth anyone's time and we are worth staying. And it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter. There's just so many things we worry about that just don't matter. And like that you feel of worth and that you're irreplaceable, that you are like, I love, um, I love the idea of just like an Ikea box where they give you extra parts, right? I heard someone say this once where it's like, God didn't do that. He didn't, he wasn't like, oh, well, here are some extras that like, we don't really need, but uh, we'll put them in there just in case. Like he didn't do that with people. I don't believe that. And I just believe, you know, the differences we have, like it's all on purpose. Yeah. And I'm rambling here. I'm like a little thrown off. I know, right? I feel, I, now I feel bad I'm sitting here. Hey, it's okay. No, it's okay. Dark side that we had in our interview while well, your son sits on your lap, right? So, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, but I just, I really felt that when you said that, I was like, man, if that isn't truth right there, of just all hands on deck, nothing matters. It doesn't matter the type of therapy. It doesn't matter yeah. just, you know, like whether you've showered or not. It doesn't matter whether you've made big mistakes right now, all hands on deck. Like, you are meant to be here. Yeah. And until you feel that again, like I'm, I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to get this done. Well, that's always. And so I always say, yeah, when somebody's contemplating not wanting to be around anymore, then, then that is a, 
all right, at this point, I don't care if you thought you were supposed to be an attorney, if you thought that if you, if you want to go live on the beach for the rest of your life, if you want to wear plaid uh, shorts and a, and a floral uh, shirt the rest of your life, it, I, who cares? This, you know, and I would love it if people didn't have to get to that point where they felt that that's where they were at for people to finally say, okay, hey, whatever you need. And I think people are afraid to just say, no, here, this is what I need right now. And, and because this is how bad I feel. And right. uh, no, so I remember that too. And, uh, and then I think uh, I quickly changed the subject, which was not a good therapist because I was like, wait a minute. No, it's okay. I probably freaked you out. I was like, I'm not trying to like use this as like free therapy tone. <laughs> it just, you got me right there, you know? No, so, I, like, I, I feel that. And it's, it's, it feels it just feels so heartwarming to hear someone else say that who has, you know, you have the medical background and you have all, all your ideas, I'm sure. And all your knowledge, but at that point, none of that matters to you. Right. None no. of that matters. You just want that person to, yeah. to know that they, they need to stick around, whatever you got to do to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, you had also talked about, um, and maybe we can do a couple of these, a little bit of a, a speed round um, comparing mm-hmm. challenges. I feel like the comparison thing is just, Something that, again, I run into every day. That's why I loved your book. I mean, it's got a lot of the, almost most every chapter had a, I didn't know if you knew this, but you were almost hitting some therapy topics that I get to see here every day that comes up, which is really kind of nice. Oh, so, yeah, that is nice. Yeah. So comparing challenges. I mean, how often do you see that in your life or those around you? Or what do you say to people that that talk about that? Oh, I just think like, I just think it can be so destructive to compare pain to compare challenges both for self-compassion and compassion for other people just it kind of is a enemy to compassion in general because the problem is you know when we're hurting it's so easy to look at someone that we think has something harder and we're like man I don't deserve to be hurt like I'm an idiot I don't I don't be like you know why should I have compassion on myself like look how much harder their life is which isn't helpful and doesn't doesn't like get us to progress it just it's makes us feel worse about ourselves and then we just don't progress. Uh, and also comparing challenges in looking at someone else and saying like their life doesn't, you know, my life looks a lot harder than theirs. Yeah. So, and so, you know, they don't have room to have the pain that they're expressing. I think, you know, we see, I think I won't go any further with that, but I think we've seen that a lot lately, you know, and the last few months, just people really trying to compare their pain and using it as an excuse sometimes not to have compassion for other people. Cause sometimes it's easier. It's, it feels less complicated to just have it be black and white and just, you know, have all the answers of my life's harder. Yours isn't, I can just be mad at you. I don't have to deal with your complicated pain and the way that that affects me. And, and maybe I have to look at myself and say, I haven't done things perfectly. And, you know, but when we know better, we can do better, right? Mm-hmm. Like no, that's all. punish ourselves for things we didn't know. And yeah. so we just don't have to compare pain. We can just say like, you know, I deserve, I deserve to be able to say like, this is hard for me, period. And just have someone be like, I'm sorry. I, I see you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Girl, I see you. And then, and then on a separate, on a separate note, just be like, and this was hard for you and I'm sorry. And I see you. We don't then have to be like, okay, let's stack them against each other, which is impossible. It is. Right. Like different life circumstances, different upbringing, different biology, just yeah. there's just no point. And then, and then even, okay. And I love everything you're saying there. Cause I always go into that. They call them private experiences and acceptance and commitment therapy, my modality of choice, where you're the only version of you that's ever lived with all of your nature and your nurture and birth order and DNA abandonment, rejection, all that. 
So then, you know, that's why anyone trying to tell you what to do can be so difficult because it's like, well, they don't really understand or, you yeah. know, and, and, right. And then, and then I often will say, okay, let's say that we are trying to compare our challenges. Then at the end, what do you get? You know, a t-shirt or maybe, maybe a little trophy, you know, but it's like, okay, great. You win. But anyway, you know, let's uh, tell me more about that. You know, what's that like for you? Or I see you. I mean, that, that exactly. Uh, which I think leads to another one. And then this is a big favorite of mine as well. Uh, you said saving, saving ourselves first. So this is, uh, I've got, I've got my whole emotional baseline theory, which is about self-care. And I feel like this one people can say, but that's selfish. So tell me, give me the Julie Lee. I see you wonderful, amazing book version of saving yourselves first. Mm, I don't remember what I wrote. <laughs> I love your honesty. And, and even in my book, they're like, you remember in chapter six where you say this? And I'm like, not really. No, I, like, I don't mm-hmm. remember there were six chapters. Like, could yeah. you read a few more lines? And then yeah. I, I'll really remember. <laughs> well, Julie, no. just wait till you get a little bit down the road. Now I hate being that guy, you know, as a, as a published author, Julie, let me tell you, I love when somebody's like, uh, when I'm like, I said that. Oh, wow. That sounded pretty good. You know, <laughs> I've done that a little. So I actually haven't sat down and read my whole book yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know will be like a vulnerable experience. And I'll have to be really patient with myself just cause it's, you know, uh, but I feel like, I don't know where I was going with that. Save yourself first. Self-care. What's that like for Julie? I just, you can't help other people until you help yourself first. And we hear that a lot, but I don't think I understood the power of that until I really had to take care of myself first. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was, you know, having these babies, like walking into my living room and seeing these kids, you know, probably when it was at its worst, my kids were like eight months and two and just walking in there and looking at them and thinking like, I feel almost completely incapable of caring for you right now. And you are completely innocent yeah. and really learning like it's time to pull up my bootstraps and figure this out and do whatever I have to do because I have stewardship over you and I'm, I'm feeling incapable to care for you properly right now. And so that means I have to do, and that means even though maybe I don't like myself right now, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It wants to, it's like all, everything's off the table, right? Like whatever I have to do, to be able to help you. And, and as I did start to care for myself, that self-love did start to return. And I was like, Oh no, I'm worthwhile. It's not just for my kids. It's for me too. But that was the motivation of that. You cannot help other people until you help yourself first. Yeah. And so even if loving yourself feels hard, if, and I don't, I don't know how to say this because I don't want this to be a shaming thing, but if you really love the people around you, I think that's the best thing you can do for them is to learn to love yourself and take care of yourself because then you're going to be way more powerful in their lives and not not be empty and have nothing to give. Because no, I had I, nothing to give. I was in the negative. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'll do it. I'll make it 30 seconds or less. So my emotional baseline, I feel like when you're when all this stuff around you is heavy and, and icky and your baseline of emotions is low, but all the decisions, your kids needing you and and all the things that need to happen are still there. And so, you know, you, you show up one way or, or the other and raising your emotional baseline or that self-care puts you in a spot to be able to meet those challenges better. So, and the way to get to there is that self-care. It is the, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a little exercise, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of reading, you know, and it doesn't have to be a whole lot. And, uh, and I feel like that puts people in a better spot to be a better parent or a better spouse or a better 
servant or, or those kind of things. So I, I love that you had that chapter in there. I think that was, that was pretty amazing. Thank um, you. You know, interesting, Tony, you know, I love your podcast. I'm a super fan. You're very I kind. think that's the f- a first episode I listened to was about the emotional baseline. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that is. It makes me happy. All right. Yeah, yeah. A good I remember right where I was running when I was listening to it. You? Um, nice. I remember that. Yeah, it's a powerful episode. You probably mentioned it in more than one. But. Uh, yeah, but sometimes I, you know, that it's funny where I don't know if you have this uh, in your podcast, but sometimes I feel like, well, I've said that before, but it's as if everybody's listened to everything every minute and they remember it all, which I know they don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I know. It's kind of a self-absorbing thing, right? You're like, you uh, just, because it's on your brain all the time. So you think that, and then people are like, oh, oh yeah. No. I told a, I told a fun story in the intro uh, to this today where your my episode on your podcast, I really was grateful for because I talked a lot about EFT and marriage and how to communicate better. And, uh, and you released it the day that my daughter was getting married. And I listened to it on a run there the day of that, that wedding, which was kind of fun. So I remember where I was for that one too. So oh, talk about um, our episodes at the intro and I will have the links to those and the show notes of this page and um, and then the, this is going to be up on YouTube and, and, uh, and how fun that you've had your son here the whole time. <laughs> right. I mean, it just is what it is like for better, for worse. I'm like, I don't know how great this is for marketing, but this is real life. So it's, it's not getting, you know what? That's been my life. That's been my no. life is like, I just, I do like that mantra of just like, maybe this is how it was supposed to be for whatever reason. Maybe this is how it was supposed to be. That's helped me a lot. Uh, yeah just different hiccups, you know, cause life never turns out how we plan. Right. But yeah. I do love my kiddos and I do, I mean, if, if, yeah, it, you know, and this is, this is just truth and it might sound cliche, but if things aren't good in my relationships here, then it doesn't really matter. If I'm I'm say, what does it matter? Really? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Um, so, all right. Where do people find your book? Tell me where people can go. I will put a link to that too, but I've ordered the one that came with a cool little bracelet, which was kind oh, of, Oh, you got your bracelet. Yeah. Because it's good for dudes, right? It was so, so important. Man, it's so hard, right? When you're writing a book or podcast or, you know, I go to National Speakers Association as I'm trying to to do more public speaking than I've done. And, you know, you you get it pounded into your brain. You have to know your audience. You have to know your audience. And when someone's, you know, when you like talk to a speaker and they're like, oh, I can speak on anything. That's kind of a red flag usually. Like, Like, (laughs) probably you're not the best, right? Right. Uh, And, and so it's been so hard with this book because it's like, so, you know, how many people have asked me like, so what's your audience? You need to know your audience as you're writing this book in three and a half months. Like you got to know it. Well, what's your podcast audience? And it's been so hard because I'm like, but I really do want everyone to like, I just, I see it in the youth. I see it in the middle age. I see older people even, you know, like, I just feel like everyone needs this. So as much as I did try to narrow to my audience, it was really important to me that the ICU bracelet that came out with it, that it be something that dudes could wear too, because I'm like, man, men need it too. Yeah. They need it so bad. And I have so many men that follow my podcast that have shared their stories with me that have been interviewed on my podcast that like they're needing it. They're needing it bad. I will, uh, I will be, I'll be rocking the bracelet. I'll, I'll take yeah, a picture. Send me a picture, please. I will. I will. All right, Julie. The website, you asked where they can find yeah, yeah, it. Where can they find it? Yeah. So go to my website. I'm so sorry about this light. No, it's like, it's as if it's as if it's now you're going to talk about it, that the rays of sun have entered your, uh, and yeah, shine. Yeah, like firework, right? There's yeah, a exactly. Sun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's julieleespeaks.com. Okay. 
then so you can go there. the icupodcast.com, which still takes you there. But just as I'm headed more towards speaking, we decided it would be important to have my name in it. So it's julieleespeaks.com. And now you can order it from Amazon or you can get the bracelet through the publisher with the book and just all the options are there. So, Hey, Julie, uh, what an honor. Best of luck. I know it's going to do well. I will have you on whenever uh, to talk about anything. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And uh, all right. We have Sam on any time to talk about anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, thanks, Sam. All right. uh, Hang tight here. Um, Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful. Elastic waste and Shut